Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Mental Golf Show. As always, I'm your host, Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about goal setting. Make sure and stick around to the end because I'm going to do some Q&A. I had some really good questions and comments sent in to me uh, before recording this episode that I want to go through a few of them. And I also want to take you through a very ambitious goal of mine and how I will go about accomplishing it. I thought about coming up with some new ideas about how to think about goal setting and accomplishing those goals, but really the way we went through it this time last year is exactly how I would talk about it again this year. I I wouldn't change anything about it, so I want to kind of re-air last year's goal setting episode. I think it was really, uh, it's how I think about goal setting. Um, It's how I help my players work through setting goals uh, and accomplishing them. I think it's, um, I think it's exactly how I would say it again this year. So, uh, remember to stick around to the end and we'll go through some Q and a about goal setting. All right, let's get into the episode. The principle goes like this. Step one, you set your goal. Step two, you create a plan to reach your goal. Step three, you forget about your goal. And step four, you work your plan. So I'll say that again. Step one, set your goal. Step two, create a plan to reach your goal. Step three, forget about your goal. And step four, you work your plan. So if you've been following me or uh, my podcast or any kind of writing I've done or me on Twitter at Josh Luke Nichols, You've probably heard me talk about this. You've probably heard me say this four-step process. This this thinking was told to me by my dad. Uh, I don't remember the context for why he told me this or how he even learned it for himself, but I'm sure it was in relation to me trying to reach one of my many golf goals when I was younger. So why is this principle important and how can it help you reach your goal? Uh, specifically, why would I tell you to forget about your goal in order to reach your goal? Won't you get lost on the way to the finish line if you forget where the finish line even is? So let's start from step one and work through this goal reaching principle step by step. So step one, you set your goal. I think this one is kind of obvious. This is what everyone does. It's January 1st. Everyone has their goals. If Uh, If you're listening to this uh, after January 1st, you've probably already set some kind of goal for this year, even if it's not like written down or tweeted out into the world or posted on your Instagram. You've probably thought of something that you want to accomplish this year. Like, well, it'd be kind of nice in 2021 to reach this financial goal or reach this um, golf goal of a scoring average or something. You've probably set something in your mind or on paper or on social media. So this step is pretty easy. Uh, and like I said earlier, whatever goal you choose, it's it. look at it like this way. It's like a snowflake. It's completely unique to you and it's perfect in its own way. So set that goal, make it ambitious, make it super easy to achieve. Doesn't matter, but you have to set a goal. That's step one. Okay, that one's out of the way. We Most of us can do that. That's pretty easy. And now going into step two, we think that's, that is really the 
the extent of it. We set that goal and then we kind of, all right, let's see if it happens. But step two takes it further. You create a plan to reach that goal. Most people don't even make it this far. In general life and in, in, in life as a whole, people might set a goal to, let's say, work out more or eat better food or for golf, play more golf or shoot in the 70s for the first time. But that's really as far as most people get. They don't do the most important thing in goal reaching, which is actually creating a plan to reach that destination. But you're here with me, luckily. You've got a mental coach on your side talking you through this. So let's create a plan. So how specifically do you plan on reaching your chosen goal? What are the individual steps that it would take to reach that unique goal? If your goal, let's say, is to shoot in the 70s for the first time, what is holding you back and keeping you in the 80s? This is where it can explode open a whole new world of things to work on. It could be driving distance, driving accuracy, ball striking, short game, club choice around the greens, lag putting, club fitting, fitness, and then a bunch of mental game things, how you handle adversity, how you handle good stretches, how you handle slow play, how you handle uncontrollables or how you handle being on pace to break 80 with three holes to go, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, on and on and on. It, it, the list could go on forever. So what stands between you and your goal could literally be hundreds of things. But that's why people, most people don't do this step because they don't really know what a plan to actually reaching their goal would look like because they don't do this tough legwork of seeing what they are deficient at. But this this is a completely necessary process. If your goal was to work out more, what would a plan of action look like? You first would have to see what stands between you and actually working out more. Maybe you let certain things keep you on the couch. Maybe you don't know what your workout would actually be, so you never even start it. Maybe you don't know what parts of you are weak and that need building, that need strength, so you never actually create a plan uh, to for your workout. So you you might show up and try some things, and you get really sore, and I I can't do this. So so setting a goal without an actual plan is a surefire way to to not take it very far. But you must identify these roadblocks because your plan will be tailored to overcome this roadblock. So for golf, this is going to require some statistics. Everyone's favorite thing, taking stats, getting getting into some numbers. You need to take some detailed stats to see where your strengths and deficiencies are. You can't work on things if you don't know what to work on. Your time will be spent aimlessly flailing at golf balls until you're tired. We all know this process. We go to the range, we try hitting 10 8 irons, 10 uh, 4 irons, 7 3 woods, and 40 drivers. And we're just exhausted and we feel like we've worked hard, but we don't really know what we accomplished because we didn't have a plan. So let's, you got to reel all that back and say, what am I deficient at and what am I good at? And that will inform my practice. So, Let's go through a list of some detailed stats to get you started. 
Okay, when you're playing, take these stats. Did you hit the fairway? We'll start from the tee and we'll work towards the green. Did you hit the fairway? That's a great start. But let's go a little further with fairways. If you missed the fairway, what side of the fairway did you miss it on? That's stat number two. Stat number three. If you missed the fairway, was the lie good? Was it bad? Was there no shot at the green? Or was, there, was it an OB slash lost ball slash penalty? So now that we're past driving, let's move to approach. Stat number four. How far was your approach shot? Whether it was fairway or rough or trees. Uh, and if you didn't have a shot at the green, then that wasn't your approach shot. The third shot would be your approach shot. But how far was your approach shot? Did you hit or miss the green on your approach shot? If you miss the green, we're going into a short game. So stat one, two, three, four, five, six. Stat number six. If you miss the green, was your short game shot from the sand or the grass? Stat number seven. I need to, I needed to number these. I just did dashes. Okay. Stat number seven. Did you hit or miss the green on your short game shot? Stat number eight, we're moving into putting. How long was your first putt, whether that was after your approach shot or your short game shot? Stat number nine, how many putts did you take from there? And stat number 10, of course, your score for the hole. So yes, this is a lot of detail. That's 10 stats. Usually people do like fairways, greens, and putts, like real simple, and that's better than zero. But really this level of detail will give you the opportunity to build a specific plan of, okay, since I can see from on average 125 to 150 uh, is my weakest point of approach shots. So instead of hitting 10 four irons, I can probably focus more on my 125 to 150 game. And maybe you're pretty good from 125 to, from 150 to 175. So don't need as much work on that. So you can see how this detail can diagnose your deficiencies and you can build a plan to make your game better based on those deficiencies. So maybe you're starting to see why most people don't get this far. It's a lot of work and it's definitely not easy work and it's definitely not quick work, but you'll see soon why this kind of detail will help you actually see your goal to fruition. So let's move on to, I like combining step three and four into one kind of one process. So step three is forget about your goal. And step four is working your plan. And these are probably the most counterintuitive steps in the process. The first two are pretty simple. I mean, they're at least intuitive. You got to set a goal and you got to create a plan to reach that goal. Duh. But, you know, if people get that far, that's definitely where they stop. They, you certainly keep your goal in mind. Usually you're, you're still thinking I got to break 70 or I got to break 80. I got to break 80. I got to break 80. I got to beat that person. I got to beat that person. I got to work out more. Got to blah, 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 blah. They don't get this far. They don't get to step three. And they certainly, they, they don't get to this whole process of step three and four of forgetting about your goal and working your plan. So How could setting a finish line and then forgetting where the finish line is help you reach the finish line better or even at all? How do you work a plan if you don't know where you're going? This is best explained with an analogy. 
uh, we're going to tell a little story. It's story time with Josh here. You've probably heard this one before too, if you followed me along, uh, followed along with me, but it can't hurt to hear it again. And I think I think this will make sense to you. It's it's made sense to a lot of the players that I work with. Uh, it kind of kind of jives with their mentality. Um, you kind of see it in practice. So, let's say there's a huge tree you want to chop down. You don't have a chainsaw, but you do have an axe. So you go out one day. Your mind is set on chopping the tree down. You're super motivated because you're fresh. You're just starting. It's January 1st. You're just getting going. You all The only thing that's ahead of you is your future. So you start thrashing away at the tree. You work so hard that after 45 minutes, you're exhausted. You're out of energy. But you think, wow, I worked really hard. Surely the tree will fall down now. So you push at the tree with all your might, but to no avail. The tree doesn't budge. So you try thrashing some more. You exhaust yourself and you try to push down the tree. Nothing. You're doubly discouraged because the tree didn't come down and you see how little you have to show for your exhausting work. You've barely chopped away any of the tree. So you go home dejected and you decide chopping down the tree isn't even worth it. You may pick it back up a week or two later once you're done being sore and the blisters on your hands go away. But the same thing happens that day. The tree doesn't come down, so why even try? And you can see this is how you get burnt out. This is how you, you lose your motivation to keep going. So now let's imagine an alternate scenario. Still the same huge tree and still only an axe to use. But this time, you show up, you take one good look at the tree, and you say, okay, this is exactly where I'm going to chop at it. And this is exactly how long I will chop today, and then I'll stop for the day. So you chop at the tree with precision, you, and you take breaks throughout the day when you're tired, until you've hit your time for the day. You go home satisfied with your work, even though the tree didn't come down. And you show up the next day with your plan of attack still in effect, and you go at it with quality. You do this every day for weeks and weeks. In fact, you get so involved in the process of chopping with precision and quality that you even forgot about the tree as a whole. You're too focused on your job for the day. And then one day you're chopping away at it and it comes down. You've done it. You've chopped down the tree. You didn't even realize that today was going to be the day that it comes down. And you have an ultimate amount of satisfaction because you did what you can control every single day and you let the results take care of themselves. So maybe through this analogy, you can see How focusing too much on the end goal can negatively affect your ability to reach that goal. You're so focused on the tree and making it come down on that day that it burns you out. It makes you lose your motivation. So in summary of all of this, let's boil this down. Your process is this. You set your goal. Whatever it is, you have to have a goal. You figure out what stands between you and your goal. You create your plan based on those obstacles. Now, and possibly the most important parts, you forget about your goal and you work your plan. You put on your blinders and you get so involved with the daily process of working your plan that you forget about your goal entirely. And 
as a cherry on top of all of this. Find more satisfaction in the pursuit than the actual accomplishment. As my mentor Robert Linville says, find joy in the journey. Okay, everybody, hope you found that valuable. This process is the exact process I try to use for myself. An example of this for myself would be having a goal of winning a U.S. Mid-Am in the next five years. That's my really super ambitious goal. But remember, any goal is a good goal. You just have to set one. But I can't stop there. As you heard, uh, I cannot stop there with just a goal. I've already caught myself stopping there. But the writing of this episode has encouraged me to take the goal-setting process to the next level and think it through even more. I listened back through my own episode from last year, and I, I realized I wasn't really being honest with myself. I just said, you know, I just want to play well in U.S. Mid-Am. I want to make it back into a U.S. Mid-Am now that I'm going to have to start qualifying back for them again. But I wasn't being very honest with myself of like, okay, specifically, what will it take to do that? So step one is setting the goal, as you heard earlier. And my goal is to win a U.S. Mid-Am in the next five years. And if I just stopped there, that would, you know, already be great. Uh, Some of us don't even do that. So I encourage you to at least do that, at least set that goal, even if it's crazy ambitious. But you cannot stop there. I, I highly encourage you to not stop there. You've got to make it to step two. And step two is creating a plan to reach that goal. As we heard earlier, this is where we are getting into more of the details about the things that are currently stopping me from reaching my goal. The things that are holding me back. And as we talked about in the episode titled, How to Practice During the Offseason, I discussed the different facets that I would want to tackle during the offseason, and it's still the offseason. It's, uh, you know, winter technically just started four days ago, so I've still got two or three months of quote-unquote offseason, even though my seasons are not normal. Um, But they will also apply, the facets that I talked about in that episode will also apply towards my preparation towards being good enough to to win a U.S. Mid-Am. I, I will apply the same facets that I'm going to be doing just during this offseason. I want to apply those across my entire year and across the entire five next five years to accomplish what I want, uh, which is my uh, goal of winning a U.S. Mid-Am in the next five years. And uh, if you haven't listened to this, uh, that episode, I recommend you go listen to How to Practice During the Offseason I'm assuming for you, it's still the off season. If you're listening to this in the next week or two, it's January. It's it's the heart of the off season for you know the upper half of the United States for sure. Um, let alone anywhere you are in in the world, it's probably kind of the the off season. I know a lot of my players that aren't in the off season. That's you know Texas, Florida, uh, the players of mine that are in Kenya. They have good weather, it seems like, year-round. I know Florida and Texas has pretty decent weather year-round. But it's most likely still off-season for you, so I encourage you to go listen to that episode. But what I talked about during that episode were the different facets that I was going to dedicate my preparation this off-season towards. And also now, 
the same facets that I want to apply towards my five-year goal of winning a U.S. Mid-Am. And those different facets were fitness, golf skill, and mental game. And if you remember, or if you haven't listened to the episode, for fitness, I need to improve my strength to be able to swing faster and for my to swing for my swing to hold up under pressure, uh, under, you know, and, you know, uh, fatigue, that kind of thing. But I think even, even more importantly for me, I need to improve my endurance, like, uh, my ability to walk enough holes. U.S. Mid-Ams are long tournaments. If you make it to the final, you will have played 11 rounds in eight days. When I did this in 2017, I was completely exhausted during the final. In this past year at the U.S. Mid-Am in Nantucket, I made it to the round of 32, and I could tell how exhausted I was. My swing started breaking down, and I made more and more sloppy mistakes. I I remember the the priority I was putting on once I got back to the host home that we were staying at, just getting in the bed, like just laying down, showering, and getting in the bed, sitting on the couch, sitting, relaxing, <laughs> drinking lots of water, lots of endurance-related um, recovery. And I just, I knew that I hadn't done enough during 2021 to prepare myself physically for that test of endurance. So that's a goal I have now going forward for 2022 and, and beyond is, is better endurance, better, uh, handling of that fatigue, being able to walk more rounds of golf. And, Ultimately, that's going to help my swing hold up, uh, you know, towards the end of the round when I'm getting, when I would normally get tired. And as I said in that off-season practice episode, I will be using and have been using the Fit for Golf app to guide my workouts. I've already completed the off-season workout program, and I started the winter strength program last week. Uh, It's awesome. Again, I super recommend the Fit for Golf app. The app itself is a little... uh, it's fine, but the programs that Mike Carroll has put in that app are awesome. Um, a lot of them take some gym equipment, but you can substitute a lot of the equipment for, you know, bands, dumbbells, that kind of stuff. Um, but the ones that require gym equipment are have been awesome. I, I've been able to access the gym at Precision Golf School, um, and it's just been awesome. It's been really good. And uh, then during the season, you know, those are off-season workout programs. During the season, I'll be doing the super speed uh, program that he has in the app. And there's there's some other in-season programs that he has on there. I've already noticed a huge change in my leg strength. So I know this is going to be exactly what I need. I, it, I can tell how how focused these workouts are on leg strength because it seems like every workout, it's squats, deadlifts, RDLs, uh, lunges. I mean, it's, it's crazy. The amount of leg workouts that I've done in the last couple months compared to what I normally do, or I'm just doing, you know, biceps and chest and shoulders, like vanity workouts. Uh, this app is not about that. Although I'm sure that will become a benefit as I, as I go along, you know, things that, you know, I feel like make me look better, but, and feel better about myself. But ultimately, if I'm able to feel better, you know, with my strength and endurance and um, the ability to handle swing motion and, and all of that, that's going to be the real benefit that I'll see. 
So uh, another facet was golf skill. I need to improve my golf skill because I simply need to be better than I was this past year. I played well, don't get me wrong, but in order to play well enough to win a USGA championship, I need to be at the top of my skill. I was having to focus way too much on my technique this past year, and it led to a lack of freedom and confidence when I needed freedom and confidence the most. I want to have a very firm grasp on what my game is so that I can have complete trust. And like I said in this, you know, how to practice during the offseason episode, I'll be working with my instructor, Robert Limville, on what changes I need to be making, and I'll be blocking out my time in a much more intentional way so I know I'm working on everything and and doing it in a much more focused way. So I, something that uh, he and I have been texting about recently, he sent me a text that from my statistics from my 2017 season when I finished runner-up in the mid-am and was playing the best golf and was practicing the most and all that, and he sent me um, my strokes gain stats for that season, and I actually want to pull them up. I don't have them right in front of me. I think it'd be it'd be cool for you to know what my stats were. Okay, here they are. So my strokes gained um, for driving was .61. I was gaining .61 shots per round. On approach, I was gaining 2.5 shots per round. On short game, I was gaining basically zero, kind of level. On bunker game, also zero. Putting, I was gaining 0.75. So total, per round, I was gaining 3.86 shots. And that's based on, I think it's based on um, like a... uh, I don't think it's based on scratch. I think it's based on like a plus one to a plus five handicap. So I was really playing very well. I was essentially playing to a plus five or better handicap during 2017, during that really good stretch of golf that I had. So that uh, level of golf is what I was doing in order to finish runner up in a US mid-am. So I need to get to some kind of level close to that. And in order to do that, I need to work with him on my swing. I need to plan my time intentionally. I need to do things in a better way. I need to make the most of my time. Um, and I've already seen some fruits of that. I've, I've been practicing much better and much more in the, over the last couple months. And I've seen the fruits of that already. I can, I can feel the confidence in my game when I'm standing over a ball. I feel like I have more trust in where it's going to go. So I need to continue to do that across the offseason and then into 2022 and then across the next five years. And finally, for my mental game, something that held me back this past year is how distracted I was getting and how much mental chatter was going on in my head during my pre-shot routine and over the ball. This caused me to make scared, guidey swings, and there's no way I can win a USGA championship playing scared. And there's no way... To apply this to you, there's no way you can play your best playing scared, making guidey swings, controlling it out there. So what will I do to to shore this up? I'll be doing range, short game, and putting, mental game exercises, the mental game scorecard on the course, as well as meditation at home. These are all exercises I've I've done in the past, and they're exercises I give to my mental coaching players, and I know they work. I will block out time specifically for this mental training. 
So if again, if you haven't listened to that episode of how to practice during the off season, we went through a range mental game exercise that I, I know can help you. So this is my step two. All of this, all of this plan is my step two, creating a plan to reach my goal. So step one is to win a U.S. Mid-Am in the next five years. And step two is attacking my game in the facets of fitness, golf skill, and mental game. So now, that's already through step two, I'm, I'm doing way more than most people do. I, most people maybe set a goal, but almost everyone stops after setting a goal. They set a goal and then they just leave it there. But I, I went further and, and created a plan to reach the goal that I set. So now step three, even further than step two, step three is to forget about my goal. As you heard earlier in this episode, if I constantly keep my goal of winning a U.S. Mid-Am in the front of my mind, I will either get overly excited or overly discouraged. Instead, I need to put my head down and do step four which is work the plan that I've created for myself. So working this four-step goal-setting and goal-accomplishing process, this is more of a goal-accomplishing process than a goal-setting because step one is setting a goal. So then now how do you go about accomplishing that goal is steps two, three, and four. Applying this to to my specific goal is the only way I'm going to be able to reach it. Just setting the goal is not going to do anything for me. It's not going to turn into actionable uh, advice or a plan. Uh, I've got to I've got to take the next step, create a plan to reach my goal, forget about my goal, let it go. Like that's too overwhelming. The 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 fact of winning a US Mid-Am, that's too overwhelming. So I just need to like, you know, block that out of my mind and work my plan. My plan's pretty simple when it comes down to it. It's just what am I doing today? What am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing this week? What am I doing next week? So if I can if I can stick to accomplishing checking off my daily, weekly, monthly plan, I believe that the US Mid-Am result winning a US Mid-Am will take care of itself. I believe that. And now that's super ambitious, but I believe that. Okay. As I promised, let's get into some Q&A about goal setting. The first question comes from Jonathan on Instagram. Why is goal tracking just as important as goal setting? This is a great question and actually points out something that we haven't really discussed yet. Yes, you've got your head down and working your plan, but how do you know you're making progress? Is it okay to pop your head up every once in a while and see how you're doing? I say yes, definitely. I believe tracking your progress is actually essential to making progress. So for me, it'll be periodically for my fitness, golf skill, and mental will be, uh, for fitness, it will be, you know, how, how heavy of weight am I lifting in my legs? Uh, it'll be periodically walking nine or walking 18 and seeing my fatigue level. It'll be, um, It'll be how long can I ride the stationary bike, something that we got in the last couple of months that we're loving. Uh, my wife and I are loving riding the stationary bike. We're, we're noticing um, the, the better endurance we're getting with our legs. Uh, it'll, it'll be those kind of little data points that will help me track my progress with fitness. And, and I think tracking that 
tells me that I'm making progress. So I've got this goal of having better endurance, that's this big kind of overarching goal of fitness, having better endurance, and having more strength. But the along the way tracking of that goal is is how I know that I am doing the right things, how I can create a plan for my next workout, what's it's going to motivate me to get back to the gym because I need to see that more progress to reach my ultimate goal. So for golf skill, why is goal tracking just as important as goal setting? Because because setting the goal of having better golf skill is still too big of a goal. So if I am not tracking my progress along the way, I can't tell if what I'm doing is is proper, is right, is correct. So in order to track my progress along the way, I've got to do challenges that that test my skill. I've got to play rounds of golf that test my skill, that test my statistics. Uh, so I, I need to use these data points to track my progress so that I know what I'm doing is on the right track. That's why it's called goal tracking. You gotta, it's, it's to know that you're on the right track. And then for mental, how do I, why is goal tracking just as important as goal setting? We're actually going to get into that in a future question in a, uh, two questions from now. So on to the next question. This one comes from Casey. How can we have an aggressive goal, but still an attainable goal so we don't disappoint ourselves? I think this is a great question. It gets at the heart of how I think most of us probably feel about goal setting in general. Uh, We need something to strive for, but we don't want to give ourselves something that is too difficult to achieve. And we can apply this back to mine. And, and maybe you can relate to this. My goal, I think, is very ambitious. I think it's a very aggressive goal. But I believe that it's achievable. And I think, I think the very fact that um, maybe this player or maybe you feel the same way about not wanting to dis- disappoint yourself, I think it gets at a deeper, um, a deeper thing that you need to work on the fact that you're worried about disappointing yourself. So I've set this goal of winning a U.S. Mid-Am across the next five years. It's pretty specific. I mean, that's actually incredibly specific, and it's ambitious. But I'm also not afraid to fail that goal. I'm not afraid to come up short of that goal. Uh, That would be okay with me because I think the very act of setting the goal and creating the plan to reach that goal is going to make me a better player. It's going to make me do things that I otherwise wouldn't. I think the more ambitious a goal you can have, the more it will push you. So the perfect formula would be setting a really ambitious goal and then also not caring if you don't reach it. Being okay if you don't reach it. Not being apathetic, but being okay if you don't reach the goal, the super ambitious goal that you set. So I've set this crazy, ambitious, very specific goal that will be very clear whether or not I reach it, and I just have to be okay if I don't. But I also have to use that motivation to, I have to use that ambitious goal, that that really bright, shining star in the sky in the future to to get me to do things 
that I otherwise wouldn't to make me a better player. So back when I was practicing my hardest and and ultimately played my best, I had this goal of turning pro, playing professional golf. So I worked with Robert, Robert Limble, on what do I need to do to accomplish that goal? And he went through, okay, you're not driving it far enough. You're not hitting the ball good enough. You're not, I was putting and chipping decent, but I wasn't putting well enough. So I've, I have all these things that I need to work on. So we were like, okay, this is what you got to do to, to work on those things. So the super crazy ambitious goal, not as specific. I didn't set a deadline for myself like I do now, but the super ambitious goal that I set for, set for myself created in me the need to do things that I otherwise wouldn't. I never would have got as good as I was at golf if I didn't have the goal, the crazy ambitious goal of turning pro, of playing professional golf, of ultimately making it to the PGA Tour. I would never have practiced as hard as I would, as hard as I did, if I didn't have that crazy ambitious goal. And also, I think most importantly, is I wasn't afraid to fail, afraid to come up short of my goal. Ultimately, I did come up short of my goal, and it was okay. I, you know, I, it was a weird, um, not sad, but I, I didn't, I could have taken it better. I made a very conscious, healthy, good, well-reasoned decision to move on from my goal of playing professional golf, and it was in large part because of how hard I worked. So I think it's important to set a very aggressive goal and then be okay if you don't reach it. So this, is, this puts a premium on keeping your head down and working your plan. Tracking yourself along the way, like our first question, but keeping your head down, working as hard as you can, and then, you know, find out if you make it. You'll find out. And it'll be easier to not accomplish your goal because of the very fact of how hard you worked. I really believe that because I lived it. Okay. So question three, what is the best way to quantify slash measure a mental golf goal? Now, this is probably the hardest thing to do in my experience. As a mental coach, it's very difficult to quantify, measure mental related things. It's pretty easy to measure physical goals. You want to increase your club head speed, you measure where you are, and you can easily measure your progress as you go. Want to lower your handicap? You know your current handicap, and you can track your handicap as it hopefully gets lower. But mental, it's much more vague and much more feelings-based. So let's say you want to be more calm on the golf course, and you don't want to get as flustered when bad things happen. How do you even quantify that? How do you quantify calmness? It's hard, but I think there is a way. It's something we discussed on the episode titled, How to Break Through Scoring Barriers. If you listen to that episode, we discussed a technique I like to call the tick mark exercise. You make a tick mark every time you notice notice yourself being the opposite of calm in this instance, or I would say being overly emotional on the golf course. This will give you a quantifiable number for where your baseline is of calmness, your calmness baseline. So if across 18 holes, you are, you notice yourself uh, being overly emotional, let's say 28 times, and you're not trying to not be, you're not trying 
overly trying to be calm. You're just being yourself and you notice. 28 times I was overly emotional after a bad shot or a bad hole or things weren't going my way or whatever it is. That's your baseline. 28. When you're playing normal, when you're yourself or you're playing bad or you're playing great or whatever it is, your normal baseline of calmness is 28 times being overly emotional. And you can measure against this over time, and you can try to get this number lower and lower. I think I think this is the best way to quantify or measure a mental golf goal. So let's say you have a goal of moving on quickly from a bad hole. So start out by just noticing when you have uh, when you when you get you know, frustrated or something after a bad hole. Notice it and make a mark. Every time you're thinking about past bad holes, make a mark. You'll you'll find a baseline for yourself of, okay, 12 times in a round, I, I thought about or got mad or was frustrated with a past bad hole. So, you have a goal for yourself to do that zero times. Of course, you don't want you want to do that never because it negatively affects your future shots and 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 future swings and makes you play poorly when you think about past bad shots or you get overly emotional or whatever it is. So your goal for these is to be zero. So how do you quantify it? Be self-aware, notice, make a mark, and then as you go, work on ways to lower the uh, the times that you're overly emotional. Just noticing it, for one, will help you lower uh, the times that you're going to be overly emotional or the times that you're going to think back and be frustrated and dwell, overly dwell on a past bad hole or bad shot. Just noticing is going to make a big difference. So quantify it as you go, measure it as you go, and then see yourself just like just like lifting weights or just like lowering your handicap or just like... Uh, any physical goal, notice yourself, track your progress on how many times you are doing your negative mental trait and try to get to zero. Notice what happens before, during, and after and and flip that script and try to get it lower. You can do that. I know you can do that. I think that's it's very practical advice. I appreciate this question, uh, this final question for this episode because this is very practical. It's something you can actually do. So I encourage you to do that for 2022 is start like set yourself, set yourself goals. This is the, this is the takeaway for this episode. Set yourself goals, set yourself, you know, for me, I've got fitness, golf skill, and mental goals. I've, I've got a overarching goal and then I've got a plan to get there. So set yourself an overarching goal for the year, create a plan to reach that goal. So maybe it's like, um, maybe, maybe your goal is to lower your scoring average by three shots from 81 to 78 or whatever it is. And, and you notice the things that get between you and that it, I get mad, I get tired by the end of the round and I hit too many slices. So You've got three really actionable things to work on. Create plans to reach each one of those things, to attack each one of those things. And we've gone through a bunch of that in in this episode. And I, there's ways. Work with an instructor. Um, 
work with a fitness person, download the app, work with a mental coach. I'm a mental coach. If you need a mental coach, (laughs) you can do these things. You can attack these things. So I encourage you to do that. Um, Yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope this was helpful. Um, This has been awesome. This has been an awesome year. I really appreciate everyone who's listened. The the thousands of plays on mental golf show episodes across this whole year. It's just been, it's been so cool. It's been the best year yet for the mental golf show and you've made it that way. So I really appreciate everyone who's, who's been part of the community. It's just been really good. Uh, as I always say at the end of these episodes, if you need a mental coach, I am a mental coach. Uh, if, if that's something you feel like you need to you know, attack one-on-one in 2022, you can work with me. I would love to work with you. Uh, I'm still taking new players. So, um, hit me up. You can email me at foundationsgolf at gmail.com. Again, that's foundationsgolf at gmail.com. And if you want to find me on Twitter or Instagram, my username is at Josh Luke Nichols on both. And if you if you're ever working on any of these things, or if you want to, um, if you want to tell the world what what you're working on, and that you learned it from the Mental Golf Show, tag the Mental Golf Show at Mental Golf Show. I would really appreciate it, and uh, give it a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, a five star review would be super encouraging and awesome. But review it how you want. Give me some good feedback. Um, I always like the feedback. So I really appreciate you listening, and um, yeah, I guess I'll catch you in 2022. All right, we'll see you guys.